I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Week back, do you have a crying baby this time? Uh, No, I think he's asleep. Hopefully. Hopefully he stays asleep. I was worried about him last week. Like when you said he was sweating through his clothes and stuff during the podcast, I sort of felt like, I don't know, maybe I should let you go tend to your baby instead of (laughs) recording. It it worked out okay. You know, he's he's fine. It was just a little, little sweatiness situation. We all have hard time thermoregulating up here. There's a little <laughs> right. heat wave. It's it's all good. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Sarah, we have a friend. A friend. We have an amazing guest on our podcast this week. Um, I'm I'm super excited because I just I'm going to insert that I have been reading our guest material for years, and it just you know this is a little fangirl moment. So it's cool. Oh. Yeah. What's, okay, so no. before we continue, <laughs> let's let's let our audience in. We have Celine Yeager with us, um, and she as uh, where do I start? I don't want to start with all the accolades. Like to me, Celine, you've just been a great leader um, for women generally, and a voice for women in our community. Um, and I'm so proud to work with you. Um, but we know Celine because she was the author, the co-author of Roar with Dr. Stacy Sims. That's how we met. But she's also mm-hmm. authored many, many things, including many articles, uh, journals over the years. Um, and she's also an amazing athlete. Um, so yeah. Oh, and the, of course, the host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. So hi, Celine. Hey, how are you? Huh? Happy to Great. be here. Great. So we like before you started recording, um, I asked Celine if she had any animal stories and you started you started in on a story about snails that I abruptly <laughs> cut you off. I, w- I want to hear this story. OK, well, when the pandemic hit, I, I have pets. I have two cats. I have a dog. I have a daughter. She's not a pet, but, you know, um, right. like normal pets, became... like normal creatures to live in a home. Yes, yes. But I sort of became obsessed about, like, I couldn't go to Petco without bringing home a fish. So I would, I bought, like, I'd come home with a betta fish, right? And I, like, I got three different tanks in the house. And then I became obsessed with golden mystery snails. Um, I have pictures on my phone. I I could send them to you. But they're, they're these beautiful acrobatic snails. And I mean it when I say they're acrobatic. They're, they're, they're golden, as, as the name implies. And I have like little, well, I have little obstacles in the tanks because I, I like to watch them, but they, they climb up on things and then they li- literally like send it right off the edge and then they float down <laughs> to the bottom. And, w- and when they get spooked, they just suck into their um, shell and drop to the bottom of the tank. So every time I try to feed them, sometimes they just like suck in and then drop back to the bottom of the tank. Anyway, I watch them all day. I take pictures of them. I Instagram them. I send them to my family. And I get mad at my family for not loving them. And my daughter's like, no one loves the snails like you do, mom. (laughs) 
how have I not a how have I not noticed this until now and then like be like I, I'm curious about like what is your investment in this like how much do these things cost emotionally a lot I mean <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the three ninety nine. I mean, not much. The sales are cheap, but how many do you have? I, I I have I only have two right now. Oh my god! One quick story. One quick story. We went on vacation and we had I, it wasn't a golden mystery snail. I used to have these other snails that were escape artists. They would actually get out of the tank like octopi. So I even when I put the lids on them. So we went on vacation and we had a house sitter. And no lie, one of the snails, um, Brittany got away and Brittany. Brittany. <laughs> yeah, her, name, her name was Brittany. did you do you and know yeah do you know the i was looking no but i they're all girls. they're all women yeah. okay. they're all women there's, I love it. there's beatrice goldie and Brittany. but Brittany, i literally she was in the living room well the tank was in the living room empty i was like oh no and i looked over and i saw the shell behind the lazy boy in the corner and i was like oh my god like she crawled out of the tank along the windowsill, down the wall. This was a good 10 feet away. And we've been gone for four or five days. So I went over and I'm like, this is going to be grim. And I picked her up and I'm like, I got to give her a shot. And I put her in the tank and she was still alive. Brittany. Brittany made a comeback. Brittany, bitch. Right? (laughs) I know. That's when she became Brittany, bitch. (laughs) That's that's so awesome. The other thing I love about that story is like along the way, you're like, she tried to get free like octopi, like as if we all know that, <laughs> that an octopus is a creature that tries to escape. Like, like that is not common knowledge, at least for me. <laughs> like, they, they do. That's my next tattoo. We could go I on all day. I'm, I'm, I'm getting... A lot of octopuses tattooed on me. Is that okay? Oh. That's fine. It's fine. It's all many. fine. Many. Yes. Totally cool. How many? Many. I don't know. I'll leave that up to the artist. But I decided I wanted like an octopus's garden kind of theme. You know, oh. so like octopuses intertwined with pretty things like flowers and lotuses and other fish. And hmm. Everybody loves a cephalopod, right? Oh, I love cephalopods. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. They're super smart. I mean, they have three hearts. All their suction cups are individually managed. They've got blue blood. They have a beak. They 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 can change texture and color in every cell. Are you kidding me? I started this whole thing with my family like octopus Jesus. Like I think that that they are a higher form of i'm sorry you've got are we gonna talk about something else first of all this is like totally aligned like our audience is going to be loving this right now also like i feel like like sarah and i tell some pretty good animal stories but this is next level like i think you just well we really we really don't tap into invertebrates that often so <laughs> i appreciate this new spin <laughs> But I will say, if you haven't seen the Netflix documentary, My Octopus Teacher, highly recommended. I know Celine's seen it like 20 times. Sarah probably has not. But I was a little worried about the protagonist, quite honestly. I'm like, has his family left him? Are they all gone? Like, you never see the Uh, wife. You know? You you know, you are very close in and out. But Celine, you're very close to that with your snails. So... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that cautionary <laughs> warning. You're right. 
I'll be like, I haven't seen the family for a while. Where are they, Beatrice? Have you seen them? <laughs> okay. Um, I got to take this moment since I'm completely lost. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. You haven't seen that movie. <laughs> Don't spoil it, though. No spoiler alerts. Okay. Okay. We won't. We won't. Okay. We're going to take a little break. And then coming up, we're going to talk to Selena about more things. Um, you never know what. <laughs> <laughs> and I rock because after this. Every day, there seems to be a new wellness trend. Like, eat this do this, avoid those scary things. And how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash writing, as in, if we were, change is an inside job, start inside. All right, Sarah, what, what can we possibly talk about with Celine after we started the podcast talking about, you know, snails and octopi? <laughs> okay, I'm going to take like, I'm going to take like a total 180 degree <laughs> turn. Okay. We remember when we had Caroline on and we were introducing her and she was like, don't talk about my accolades, but ask me what my purpose is. Yes. I remember. Mm. So, so with all the warning in the world right now, Celine, like, like, thank you. What's my purpose? What is your purpose in life? (laughs) I actually think about that every damn day. Oh, amazing. I thought you might. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know I, I come off as a small talker, but um, no, I, I, I actually, my purpose, my purpose has evolved over time, but my purpose has always been to uh, lift as I climb, so to speak, you know, so I'm always about trying to elevate people to, to help them just be happy and be their best in this life. And it's particularly, it's been women and women in sport and women in cycling specifically, because that's my sport. And now, you know, I'm so with it, what we'll talk about, but I'm so, so, so psyched to have this whole menopause thing because I feel like I have, I have summoned like this whole army of women that were just waiting to speak and just waiting to be seen and waiting to be heard. And it's the most satisfying thing I've done in my life. And if that is my legacy, I will die a happy woman. That's amazing. So sorry, since you went there, I want to continue there. Because I know like before we, when we were first starting talking about launching the Hit Play Not Pause mm-hmm. podcast, I know that you had maybe a tiny moment of hesitation where you had to go, oh, yeah. do I, <laughs> I want to be the face the of menopause? <laughs> like, okay, yeah. sorry, freaking the hell out. And like, I like, I understand that, you know, and like, how has your, like, what do you think? I, I see that you've shifted on that, but like, how do you think you made that shift? Well, I mean, I had to make that shift literally overnight, right? I mean, I, I and it, I had already, how to say this? I mean, I was, I was just as much a victim of all the stigma as everybody else that I wanted to talk to, right? 
So, you know, as I was sitting there the night before and the day before the launch thinking, oh my God, I'm going to like literally thinking things like, am I, I going to admit that I'm menopausal as if this is a terrible thing, hmm. right? As if this is something to be ashamed of. And, you know, I was just like, you have to get over yourself. You have to get over that. Like, or, or this will just continue. Like, if not you, who, you know, like, well, who else you have like this whole, you know, treasure trove of experts you've talked to over the years, you have people willing to give you a platform, you have things to say, you have people who conceivably you think are going to listen, you know, it, it, it didn't take me very long to get over that. It did take, you know, and honestly, menopause is just a big drag of a word. Like part of it is just like, I, I don't like the word. I wish there was another word for it that was more energetic and, and, and had a better resonance to it. But, you know, the word is the word. But that's why I often, you know, when I talk to people about it, I will use the word, but I'll also, in, you know, try to infuse it with more energy, like this transitionary time of life when we're when we're becoming the women we're meant to be you know like trying to like really just infuse it with something that is more positive because the negativity has, that has been associated with it is so heavy you know and and that was that was sort of part of it and everything that i was seeing and reading and uh, the other the other stuff at the time it's gotten better in, in a few places was still just so negative and heavy and i i, I didn't want to be uh, weighed down or crushed underneath that in any way. And I don't think I am. Yeah, I, I, I think you've been an amazing leader. And we've like talked a lot about language, like even when we were launching, remember, like we called like, for example, the Instagram is called feisty menopause, right. And mm -hmm. we talked a lot about whether we actually want that word menopause because of all the negative association, but then mm -hmm. from, like a marketing point of view, it's like, if we don't name what it is, how do folks know what it is? Right. 100%. And it's like that, how you change, like how you sort of change the perception of language. It's like such a difficult path to navigate. Cause if we avoid right. using the word completely, we continue to make it a bad word. You, you have to destigmatize it by saying yeah. it. But at the same yeah. time, like right. by saying right. it, the people who feel like, um, who feel that negative weight of it don't necessarily mm. want to be associated with it. So it's been a, um, it's been interesting, like even from my point of view on the the little bit that I've been working on that project, like to navigate even talking to sponsors and and folks who like mm. sometimes don't want to be associated with that word. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Sarah, Sarah's got her. I know, and that's what we're trying to change. But 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 I have been very sensitive to that when I when I ask guests if they want to be on the show, particularly athletes. I'm very sensitive to that, and I understand. That's why I love the the show's name uh hit play not pause because it is it is so positive and it's it's something that people i have found do want to be associated with mm -hmm. yeah it's spread spreading the gospel of you can be active throughout your entire mm -hmm. life as a woman and there are right. some adjustments that are made but it doesn't change i mean how you go about things might change a little bit but it doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you love. And that's, that's... it can literally be half your life. Yeah, exactly. You know, like for some exactly. women, it is literally half yeah. their life. So mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. I was going to ask like what, out of all the folks that like, you've been going, we launched the podcast, what last September, October? Yeah. October was like the first 
the first week in October was when it officially went out. Okay, so we're coming up to a year now. So what have been your sort of your favorite moments with guests and things that you've learned? It's so hard. I mean, it's so hard because I, I have so truly enjoyed this show. Like I love, love, love doing this show. It's funny because I don't necessarily know how each episode is going to land. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, that was just okay. And then I'll hear from somebody who's like, I listened to that one three times. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. You know, you you never, you never quite know. I mean, I think, I think what's been interesting for me is I, I have learned so much myself, you know, that I, I thought that I had educated myself. I thought I knew a lot going into it, but there's still so much that the medical community doesn't even know because this has been so poorly talked about and researched and, and just basically kind of written off, you know, like, like the whole estrogen matters episode that I did just a couple of weeks ago was, was big. And I spent a long time researching that cause I didn't want to F it up quite frankly. Like um, there's a lot of history with hormones. There's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of outright misinformation and it's important. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to get it right and trying to understand, like there's this whole navigational piece that we're still trying to understand of figuring out women's hormonal journey who are on birth control, getting menopausal symptoms, where, you know, are they, are they in menopause? Cause I mean, there's this whole like gray area still that people are, the doctors still don't know exactly and disagree. And, you know, women, it's, you know, we always have to be such huge advocates for ourselves, but no more in any space that I have found but this one, honestly, because mm. there's just so there's just so much lack of knowledge, poor knowledge, and just stuff from like 20 years ago that just won't go away. Hmm. Interesting. So what was it about that episode, like the Estrogen Matters episode? Like, what did you learn? Well, I mean, it was just really interesting to learn that we, even though I, I have read it, I mean, there's this whole ingrained idea that estrogen causes cancer, particularly breast cancer, right? I mean, that, 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 those giant studies that came out and the studies were so terribly flawed. And I had read about how terribly flawed they were, but the, you know, the average age was 72 in, in those studies, 72, because they were never meant to, they were never meant as studies on actually women in the menopausal transition, they wanted to see if it would help women like fight heart disease, you know, like if it would help them live longer kind of things. And when they, what I really learned is that we're so complicated and so interesting. So, you know, there's this window that they talk about. Um, They talk about it in estrogen matters. They talk about it in the North American menopause society. It's, It's sort of, all over the literature that there's sort of this 10 year quote unquote critical window. And Dr. Sarah McKay on the brain podcast talked about that. And the brain science is fascinating because they've recently learned that our brains physically, physically change during perimenopause. Like Dr. Moscone did brain scans on people, right? And the gray and the white matter actually change during these years. But what's interesting is in most women, it changes back. Like the, like it's sort of like in puberty, we wean ourselves onto estrogen and these hormones, right? And, and there's all these changes and all this stuff. And then, and then we get into a place of homeostasis, right? Mm-hmm. But then it gets disturbed again in perimenopause and it's all over the map. And then we, we wean ourselves off. And when we dump hormones back into the system, that seems to be when it's problematic. 
like with it, like after the weaning process. Mm. So there's this whole idea of using hormones for like the least amount for the shortest amount of time. And, you know, when you talk to the, the people who are actually spending their lives delving into this, it's like, mm, is that true? You know, or is it just important when we start them? Because we don't want to miss that window. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to indeed give them hormones, right? Like it's so protective. Like I didn't know like how, I didn't know how protective it was against bones. I thought brittle bones cause breaks. It's actually the elasticity of your bones that's dangerous. And estrogen is the only thing that makes your bones kind of bendy. Like you can put all the calcium in the world in there, but then you just have like a hard brittle thing. You know, like there's all like, and I just feel like, why don't we all know this stuff? And yeah, I, you I know, I'm know just, that. Mm-hmm. right. And I'm just so, I'm so grateful for being able to have these hour long conversations with these people mm-hmm. who are, you know, so smart and never get a chance to like really, because when you hear people talking about it, that's just, it makes such a bigger impact, I think, than, you know, reading a, a quote in the New York Times or, you know, the stuff that just sort of passes us by on the internet. Mm-hmm. Has has doing the podcast changed your relationship with your body? It's made me really appreciate it and understand it even more. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, um, I, I'm I have more grace with with my body, and and I just because I understand more like what's going on. I mean, when mm-hmm. you hit when you hit that transition, it feels you know it can feel like a betrayal of self, especially when you're athletic and you've been following the same program, you know, you can see it in training peaks for how many years and then all of a sudden it's not working anymore. I mean, you can get angry, right? You can get angry about that. But once you understand what's happening and, you know, we, I, we just talked about that on the latest one on weight, which is such a huge issue that I, it's, you know, so emotional, um, you know, estrogen fat produces a lower, uh, a lower form of estrogen called estrone. So one of the reasons that women get more fat deposits during this time is their body's really just trying to make up for what they're missing. You know, it's trying to like, oh, we don't have the estrogen. The brain's like, let's put some fat on because that'll make some estrogen. And then it's like, it's a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about that. And we don't talk, there's a lot of things that don't get talked about in this uh, very diet culture paternal, you know, like there's a lot of conversations that need to happen and, and thing and perceptions that need to change. And we're, I feel like I'm just getting started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so speaking of just getting started, we're going to Boulder in, oh my gosh, oh, it's yeah. coming up so fast. It's coming up soon. It's coming up soon. <laughs> like in one month, um, more or less, we're going to Boulder for the first menopause summit. Um, tell us about that. Like why it's hybrid, right? Um, so you mm-hmm. can watch online and be in Boulder, Colorado with us. Uh, what are you most looking right. forward to? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's just seeing some faith, like uh, some of the people who are coming, I have seen in my social channels now for a while and they're in, are they're in the membership or are they're in the group. So it's kind of exciting to see people or see people I've interviewed, you know, some of the, the presenters, are people that have been on the show and I've not met in person. And there's already a lot of uh, chatter about us, you know, continuing conversations about world domination, you know, once we're out there. So I think it'll be really great. Yeah. To get, to get all that energy in the same place. Cool. And where can we find out about it? Feistymenopause.com. Perfect. Uh, Okay. Should we, I think we have a voicemail. Hey, Sarah. Oh, yeah. So Jordan, Jordan sent in a really good 
thoughtful, thought-provoking voicemail, and I feel like Celine's a good person to help us talk about it. Hey, Sarah and Sarah. Uh, it's Jordan Blanco, and I was just thinking today that if we were writing, some of the things I'd want to be talking about are the mental health problems that I'm seeing women in elite sports experience. And I think it's come to a head in recent weeks with obviously the withdrawal of Simone Biles um, from the gymnastics competition at the Olympics, but also uh, Naomi Osaka, her withdrawal from Wimbledon and the French Open. And actually, if you watched her documentary too, which was on Netflix, fantastic, by the way. Um, women just in, in elite sports tend to get such little, like so few headlines throughout the year than when they do get those Olympic headlines and major tournament headlines, the impression just seems overwhelming. Um, so I don't know if there's a, a women in sport issue here too, where we get so little press, but when they do get it, it's almost like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. Um, which is ironic too, because here in the US, um, there's been a, a theme of like, oh, women uh, win the overwhelming majority of the medals for the United States. And like, well, okay, we're, we're carrying the weight of the team. We're, we're helping lead the medal table. And yet, like most of the time, these stories are hidden and, and buried at the bottom of, of sports pages. It's, they're not the ones that get the storylines. And when they do finally get their chance to, to shine, um, the media burden on them is just incredibly overwhelming. Anyway, super long voice memo, um, but just wanted to to share that that thought with you um, both. And Sarah, too, hope um, Mama Hood is uh, treating you well. And, and Sarah Gross, I hope you had a fantastic vacation. Thanks. Bye. Okay. So, Sarah, I think I feel like Jordan brought up quite a few points there. Um, I I, as an ex-Olympian, I, I think I want to ask you first, like, what are mm -hmm. your feelings about all this, these mental health sort of issues that have come to the fore? I know you yourself are very open about your struggles. Um, respond. <laughs> I mean, we, we can go so many different ways with this, you know, how media treats athletes, how media treats female athletes. Uh, you know, is it just a mental I think it extends beyond mental health issue. It's uh, obviously this, these sorts of pressures exacerbate um, any sort of mental health issues that, you know, these, these athletes have been struggling with, but um, I don't know. I think about when I he heard that voicemail, the first thing I thought about was um, so Djokovic, the tennis player after Simone Biles, uh, said that she needed to withdraw from from some of her competitions at the Olympics. You know, his, his one of his comments was that you know part of being part of being an athlete is about handling pressure. Uh, you know, at this this high level, and basically, she just needs to suck it up. Now that was the takeaway. Now, if you actually watched. Djokovic play you saw him go ballistic on the court throw his racket and it really to me it highlighted the difference in how we treat female athletes versus male athletes because if you remember back to when uh you know Serena she showed a little bit of emotion on the tennis court and just the way the media and fans and everybody just piled up on this woman you realize the double standard where Simone Biles 
you know, arguably the greatest gymnast of all time felt that she was not in a position to do her routine safely. And if she were a male athlete, would we treat her differently? Definitely going into the Olympics, we would treat her differently because you're expected, basically like, I think of um the the quote about Ginger Rogers had to do everything that Frank Sinatra did, but backwards and in heels. Mm-hmm. That athletes of this level, that's essentially what they have to do. So they have to, uh, Simone Biles has to be essentially perfect. Um, you know, not just with her routines, but with how she conducts herself. And I don't think people understand how much pressure that is on top of the already massive pressure that she has purely as an athlete. It's just, it's, it's too much. We put too much on these, these young female athletes and then we criticize them when they show any perceived weakness, which in my mind was actually strength to be able to, 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 you know, call it what it is that they, they couldn't, they did not feel safe. They did not feel like they were ready to handle competition. Um, that they didn't want to deal with the press conferences because it was too much. Mm-hmm. But we, we see that as weakness when really it is strength because the, how we treat these athletes needs to change. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox. Sorry. That was, a, that was much longer than I intended, but no, that was I, amazing. I have strong feelings about it. How we, yeah. how we treat female athletes like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, my reaction was the same as yours. Like I felt like it was a strength from Simone. Um, Celine, as a member of the media yourself, like, did you have any thoughts from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's we are cursed with a 24-hour news cycle and endless internet, right? And and pressure to get clicks, and it's that is that is so problematic on so many levels, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just really makes the news kind of trash, honestly, a, a lot of times, and it's disappointing. I I also when I when I listen to that and and through conversations that I've had with mostly cyclists, professional cyclists. Uh, it, it also occurs to me that athletes now, and it's been a while, I mean, it's not just not just currently, but it's been a few years, can't just be athletes. They are, they are pressured to be on social media, right? They're pressured to be brands themselves and, and to be out on Instagram and out. And women in particular get the worst, they get, na- they get horrible things. I mean, they get dick pics, they get comments about their looks, they get creepy guys, they're constantly blocking people. I mean, that has to weigh on you by itself, right? Like you have, you, and you can't get away from this stuff because you are pressured to be in it. And you can say, don't read the comic comments, but I don't know how easy that is to do. I, you know, I don't know how easy it is to actually practice that. Mm-hmm. So that alone takes such a toll on mental health, let alone when things are not like, and ev- that plus everything you guys said, I think is just, mm-hmm. it's too, it's too much. Yeah. One of the things I keep going back to is this idea that like it's female athletes, the system isn't built for us. Right. And right now we're kind of at this mm-hmm. moment where like that is kind of unraveling, right? Like we talked about yeah. earlier in the year at the performance summit, like sports science, not built for us. <laughs> right. 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 Even, yeah. Like the whole yeah. sport, the whole system. So it doesn't surprise me that like, yes, you have male athletes who feel the stress of high level competition, you know, but you have mm-hmm. double the number of female athletes. Right. And I couldn't yeah. even start to name all the ways that 
that's happening because the system's not built for us in so many different ways, right? So there's a real need to like analyze, break down and, and figure it out, right? So it's not like the media's fault and it's not like the IOC's fault. Or it's just like, right. we all need a, to do a little na navel gazing, is that the word? Um, and figure <laughs> out like how we're contributing to um, to that system yeah. and how, and what ways do we have access to change making within it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we see this play out in a lot of different venues and, you know, part of it is growing pains, you know, it, but, but we all have to be part of the solution too. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the positive is that these women do feel empowered to make yeah. the right decisions for themselves and I'm not sure that would have been the case a few years ago, you know, that's fair. So what would have happened if Simone had gone out onto the floor and done her unbelievably technical routine and it had not gone well, you know, the, the, it would have been, it would have been, people would have just been so incredibly cruel. Mm -hmm. And how do you bounce back from that? Whereas she showed, she demonstrated, you know, self-efficacy and I think I think that is something that a lot of young athletes can really look up to and try to emulate. And that's going to be that's almost as powerful as anything she's done on the floor. Oh, 100 percent. And I think that, you know, it's unfair. Like if, if she was running the, the hundred meter. Right. And wasn't feeling it. That's one thing. Like you run and you suck and it's OK. Like and she was pretty clear, like I you with the twisties, which is such a strange yeah. name. I mean, she could literally break her neck. I mean, when you look at that vault, she can, she doesn't know where she is. You can see on her face that she, and she doesn't land a very basic, very basic vault. Mm -hmm. Like now we're, what are we going to magnify that at times five, six, seven? I mean, she, the, the consequences of, of actual real danger and damage are very high. Yeah. It wasn't like she was trying to save face. It was like, mm -hmm. it wasn't about that. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it until um, our trampoline, or um, is that we call it trampolinist? Trampolina? <laughs> I don't know what the word is. <laughs> She's a multiple medalist, uh, Rosie McCullen, our Canadian woman. And she was talking about how like you can literally lose the way you literally lose your sense of which way's up. And right, it, your proprioception was just terrible. Yeah, and I had never thought yeah. about that because you just think, oh, they do it all the time. Of course they know, you know, but then I just like remembered what it's like to be like stuck in a wave when you're um, surfing or right. something like that. And you just have this moment of panic. You're like, I don't know which way's up, right? And imagining yeah. that, um, that I felt that made it really relatable for me too. Like, ooh, that could go really wrong, <laughs> you know? And we can't even, who who I can't relate at all to how they do what they do to begin with. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know how those, those, all those synapses are firing. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I think, I think comparing it to anything, like, you know, you have pitchers on mounds that can't throw the ball. Like all of a sudden they just can't throw the ball and they call it, you know, they, the, the golfing yips has been something that has been, uh, compared to this a million times at this point, but yeah, like a guy that just can't hold the putter still. I mean, your brain is a very complicated thing and to do what they do, to do what the gymnasts do, I can't even begin to conceive how they do it to begin with. Mm -hmm. It seems yeah. like it'd be very easy for something to go a little haywire and that's not, that's not safe. The, the only equivalent, which is not at all equivalent that I can ever come up with is if you have a terrible crash on the bike oh, yeah. and then mm -hmm. just it's in your mind. And how you, if 
you wouldn't want to go out into a super technical course if your brain was just trapped in, you know, that loop of crashing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, that's, that's all I can relate to. And it's a million times worse because you're flying and flipping and doing a million, you know, doing all yeah. the acrobatics. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Well, shall we take our second break and then we'll come back for a little I rock because. If we are riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at if we were riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at Sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right. So just grab your phone, record an audio file and email it to me and we will love it and love you forever. And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code LIVEFEISTY15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. All right. So anytime that Sarah proposes, I rock because (laughs) uh, she likes to go last. So we're going to make her go first because... (laughs) In theory, she's had the most time to prepare for this. <laughs> I, still, <laughs> I don't have anything. Okay, I've got one. Okay. I'm going to go with, <clears throat> I rock because I'm, I put this on my socials the other day, because I um I made some progress with my lifting technique and like mm, my Olympic lifts. Yeah. And like, interesting. Cause like the journey for me has been like from like elite athlete where I'm literally like every day focused on some kind of technical skills. Like I came, I didn't come from a swimmer's background. So every time I got in the pool, I spent hours every week focusing on catching and pulling water and, you know, and to like work on something like once a week to me feels like Am I going to make progress? I'm not really sure. I'm 45 years old. Am I really going to get faster under a bar? (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) you're not sure. And then so seeing progress with that, like even with like very low, what to me was feels like a low level of like energy I'm putting in and time um, was really rewarding. So that's mine. No, that was cool. That's hard. I, 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 I have put less, much less energy and time, but my results are not. Are not good at all. I it's inspiring though. I'm like, okay, maybe with a little energy and time I could figure that out. Well, that was it. I think that was a learn for me, right? Was that like yeah. I'm not sure that I believed for that you would that I like for the reasons I said, like my age and my background and everything, that I was actually gonna improve something so unfamiliar to me, um, with just once a week. Or that's probably average when I practice my Olympic lifts, mm-hmm. like maybe less because I've been away so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, Sarah, you gotta go next. Oh, geez, uh, <laughs> I rock because I'm learning how to accept help right now. So, one. For example, uh, my parents offered to watch the little one while I went out for a bike ride, and you know I have had a hard time just letting myself do that, but I need to, I need to do it. I need to get away. It's not enough just to be on the trainer. I need my own space. Um, and I said, yes, that they can. And we're going to make it a regular thing because I need time for myself. 
Yeah. That's so important. I'm so glad that you made that choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, Celine, you're up. I rock because I made it through the first week of my daughter being at college. I dropped oh. her off. On... Yeah. <laughs> we dropped. Yes. We dropped her off on Monday and it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be like, and I thought it was going to be hard, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we got there and it was, she's going to Temple university, which is in, in not, you know, it's in North Philly and that's, it's, the very gritty part of the city. And she missed the opportunity to be in the dorm because of COVID. And she, you know, she's actually a sophomore because her first year was here. And we looked at apartments and we found one right in the edge of campus. It's called the edge, you know, and it's, it's a little, it's, it's, it's a little edgy. Uh, we loved it when we saw it, but you know, like when you go into a house that has furniture and then there's nothing in it and what it looks like, like I could feel her deflate when we walked into the apartment because mm-hmm. The rugs were kind of stained and, you know, the walls look bad. And uh, there was a lot of tension in the air because everyone's moving in. And she, uh, you know, I said, let's get your stuff in. It'll get better. And the day got better. And then her dad left and she said, she's, I'm, I'm trying to try not to cry, but she, uh, she said, mom, I'm just worried about men, bad men. Oh. And she's like, am I a target? Do I look like a target? Right. Oh. And I'm so angry, you know, uh, that I had to answer this question, but I, like it's an important question. And we talked about that. And we talked about, you know, presence and personal safety and, and how to, you know, use your instincts and, and, and trust your gut and, and, you know, and, and all the other obvious things about staying where the students are and all that. And then her dad came back and we, it was getting late and we had to go home. And she said, you sure guys don't want to get a hotel room in the city and we could get breakfast in the morning. And, and I said, I would love to, but you know, we have the dog at home and your dad has an interview because he had a job interview the next morning. And I said, but you can come home. Like you can slow roll into this. You know, you don't have classes for a week. And it, her eyes just super lit up and I'm like, okay, she's going to come home and that's okay. And then she sat down and she said, no, this is what I wanted. And this is what I pictured and I'm going to stay. And, uh, and she stayed and I expected to wake up to tons of like text messages and get stuff during the night. And she's been, she's been awesome. She's been, she's been great. She's been putting together her room and she's gone out and getting the lay of the land and figuring out where her classes are. And I'm, I, I have broken down a bunch of times. I don't know. I don't think she has, but, uh, yeah, she's coming home this weekend because there's my family's coming into town. But I am, um, I rock because I raised a daughter that is so brave. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I had this question kind of on my potential notes, but now that we're here, I think it'd be nice to ask it, like, because it feels like you know Sarah's at the beginning of her motherhood journey, and you're like, you know, just sending your daughter off. Do you have any? advice like what are your words of wisdom to Sarah you will not remember the little things that you worry about now you won't remember them there'll be nothing like don't don't get hung up I tell everybody that like just don't get hung up on all that stuff like that you could read in the books or what everyone else like it it's a distant memory like everyone says it goes so fast and I was always like oh my god it never feels like it's never and all of a sudden 
they're 18 and you're just like, oh my God, like, was I a good mom? Did they have a good childhood? Yeah, like, so just enjoy it, like as much as possible. Just like enjoy it, trust that they're going to be okay because they're going to freaking be okay. They're going to be fine. They are going to be a hundred percent fine. It's amazing. Like, it's amazing. Like, I don't know, Sarah, you see it, right? Like the mm -hmm. kid, they just, they become themselves mm -hmm. and you just, you're there to pick them up and to mold them and to make memories, but don't waste a lot of time worrying about shit. Cause it just doesn't matter. Yeah. They're, they're their own people. And from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. I love that. Oh, uh, I just, I keep on thinking about your daughter and how brave she is and just oh i'm i'm a, i got a little teary-eyed see you get a little teary-eyed <laughs> it was it was heavy it was yeah. you know i mean she's yeah. it was hard but i'm i'm glad that she felt i'm glad that she felt that she could ask that and that yeah. she could talk yeah. about how she felt and that we could have that conversation and I won't lie, there was a big part of me that's like, oh, why didn't she go to Mansfield or some little leafy college in the, you know, like protected place in Pennsylvania? But she is going to get so much out of being there. You know, she's going to grow in leaps and bounds in ways that um, that, that a small, safe little college and, you know, the the suburbs of somewhere wouldn't give her. I mean, it's just it's just true. It's just it's hard. It's weird. It's hard, but just, uh, yeah, you know, the kids are people becoming, and this is a big part of her becoming. Yeah, well, just how she handles things, it sounds like she's pretty mature for her age. Yeah. Good head, yeah. Good head on her shoulders. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, Celine, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was as amazing as I thought it would be. Um. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. It's been too long. I feel like maybe you should have been on sooner, but we can remedy that by having you back in a few months. So. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's fine. We'll have things to talk about. <laughs> always things, always to, things talk about. to talk about. For sure. I might get another snail. <laughs> could have more exciting snail intro stories. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to send us a voice memo about your snail updates, like we're here for it for sure. Okay, I can send you a video too. Oh yeah, do that. We'll put it on our social. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Now, if if you're interested in checking out the summit, uh, it's there's still availability on the hit plane up pause uh, website. Is that correct, Sarah? Yeah, do you they want to go to feistymenopause.com. Feistymenopause.com. Yeah, and you know, virtually, right. I don't think there's really much of a limit at all. Uh, yeah. We definitely have to, you know, keep things a little tight because of the never-ending pandemic situation and the right. lives. But we still have some room there too. Yeah. Well, we we look we look forward to hearing, uh, you know, how it goes. And mm -hmm. thanks everybody for listening to another week of if we were writing. And if you have some undying love for invertebrates and would like to share it with us, please do so because we do not discriminate against animals in any shape or form. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're